Hey everyone, so if you're listening in real time, I've been off for a month, a uh, couple of life changes, nothing too big, but I definitely, life got busy, and um, I just had too much on my plate. Anyway, I'm trying to come back now. Um, I would still like to uh, transfer this to some kind of a more sustainable medium, but thanks for not unsubscribing, I guess, um, even though that's not a regular behavior on uh, podcasts. Anyway, so... Um, I'm going to catch up or I'm going to restart my momentum with some things that don't fit the regular category of podcasts that I put on this mixtape in general. One of them is uh, just like audio, like just the, the, the experimenting with the form of podcasting. And one of the more interesting and magical experiences I've had recently was on the Revisionist History podcast, which is Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, where he has some guests from time to time. And uh, this one was Lake Bell promoting her new audiobook. And normal audiobooks are fine. Audiobooks read by the authors are fun. But when the audiobook author is a voice actress, uh, it gets really, really super interesting. And it's a fantastic fit for audio. So I highly recommend this. Uh, I'm just basically going to drop you in cold. Um, We will catch you on the other side. Let's make something crystal clear before we delve into the sexy baby zone, which is also a no-judgment zone. This is a safe place to regard and appreciate a unique cultural phenomenon. In fact, I have long been inspired and in awe of this vocal trend and seek to focus on it through a cultural lens. What factors brought it into the American English language in the first place? And how did it evolve over time for any one person? In my formative years, it was Paris Hilton. I thought she was extraordinary, hilarious, awesome, larger than life. And there was something really special there. Sure, much of the allure was the outfits and the status, but There was something unique about Paris that nobody else could quite emulate. Nobody could get to that level of her stardom. Why? The voice. She captured the world with a voice that broadcasted both little girl submission and overt sexuality concurrently. Unfathomable feat. Or was it? I just have, like, a drive inside of me, like... I love creating, I love doing what I do, I love making people happy, and I love making money. <laughs> Paris, thanks so much for being here, I appreciate it. I know that heat wave's been crazy, it was like 97 degrees the other day. That's hot. Did you see that Ross and Rachel might be dating in real life? That's hot. How would you pronounce Kevin Hart's last name in a British accent? That's hot. It is hot. And yet, I want to admit that I struggle, okay? There's a struggle here. If my personal cultural North Star is creating space for a female vocal sound to imbue trustworthiness, all-knowing, electable authority, then how does the rampant trend of the sexy baby voice impact that effort? I mean... I can admit that I enjoy the wildly Moorish entertainment provided by the Audis, Paris Hilton, the storm that is the Kardashians, and every real housewives of whatever the fuck. They're all flooded with sexy babies. But here's the kicker. Do I want my daughter to grow up and speak like that? The answer is 
hell no. And see, now I feel bad. Now I feel like some judgmental jerk. I'm genuinely in an existential crisis on this issue, so I opted to phone a friend, but not just any friend. I needed a deep thinker who also happens to be a best-selling author, a public speaker type, that the whole world has stamped an authority on unpacking big and controversial ideas. So I turned to the iconic public speaker, best-selling author of multiple zeitgeist-making books, like The Tipping Point and Outliers, among others, and of course, founder of Pushkin Industries, that's right, Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm has been hearing about my deep-seated sexy baby struggle for years at this point. And frankly, he's the only person who can flip the script and interrogate me on this very issue that I myself have brought to the proverbial table. Wait, wait, okay, hold on. Let's be much more specific and break it down. First of all, we have these elements that you've identified. Are they all equally important or are they... They They all play. You can't rank them. You can't say sexy baby is 60% this, 20% this. No, it's a cocktail. It's a cocktail. Okay. Number one... The the vocal fright. I would say number one, pitch. Pitch, okay. I would go straight to pitch because first you've got to, this is very hard for me to do is to kind of dial in to, because I enjoy kind of putting all the Mm -hmm. cocktail together because it's like, once you have a martini, (laughs) it's like you always want the mix. So if I can just get the the, uh, pitch, it's, so we're here and I'm already starting to fry a little bit, but I'm trying not to so that I can just take pitch. This is pitch. So this is like if I were to be talking to you in an intellectual way, but I'm just pitched up. Okay. Yes. Now, then you layer on that. Now, by the way, do you ever, we're not talking about sexy baby, we're talking about Lake Bell. Hi. Do you ever operate in that pitch? Never. Never. Okay. Yeah. You're Even way, in, way a, in a in a sexual encounter, um, if I may. I do not find myself pitching up to that level. Yeah. Or, because that's the only time I could think. <laughs> Sorry, very revealing. When you spoke to your children when they were babies, did you go up that high? No. Oh, you didn't? No. I would never go this high for anything. First of all, it's, you know, it's athletic. That's one of the things about Sexy Baby is that it's like hard to do. Like you have to work hard at it. It is an athletic feat. Okay. Layer in the next thing. The next thing would be fry. Uh-huh. And I'm guilty of a little fry here and there. I think we all are. We have a sprinkle of fry. You know, it's like a cultural trend. It's like skinny jeans. You know, it's in. And then we all kind of adopt it, and we don't even notice. So notice. No. You know, I got a little there. So when you have this, and then you start adding in the fry. So teach me how to do fry. Assume I've never heard of it. Again, I'm not a professional, but I will say the fry is a croak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the back of your throat. Uh, um, so you're going to roll it kind of like you're a frog. So uh, closer. Uh, so so give me like a... Like why? Like why? Close. Am I getting there? Um, it, the thing is you have some, you have some, take some water. You have some, you're swallowing it, so you're going, ah, you're getting stuck in, in a tightness in your throat versus like forward opening it up. Just, oh, yeah. So, oh, 
of it, getting in there. I don't uh, know how to form a word with that. Though. Um, like why? 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 Wait, do that. Do like why? Oh uh, yeah. You see, so like why? No, you don't. The fry and the up talk. Is there a place in the sentence where those two things operate? So we're always in the upper register. So pitch is a constant, mm -hmm. but we're not frying everything. Uh, fry is like seasoning. You can't fry all the way through or else you would just have a croak, croak. sound. Yeah. Um, so fry is really kind of like there's a dance there. So for instance, I, in my normal speech, I would say, for instance, and that's a plateau. We're just like on a road going forward. For instance is obviously a classic up talk with a little sprinkle of fry and pitch up. What work is fry doing? Is it comic? Is it for emphasis? I, th I think it comes from a place of like sex. This is part of the like sexy flavor of spice. Because I think when I've interviewed people, hey, what you know, what's the most alluring sexy voice in a woman? It tends to be croakier voices. It tends to be smokier voices. And whether they're high voices or low voices, they all seem to have that element in them. Mm -hmm. And it's paradoxical because it's a smoky kind of guttural thing that's taking place at a very high register. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like men who fry because there's a ton of men who fry as well. You know who fries? Who fries? Henry Kissinger. He fries. Yeah. But it's a it's a kind of German fry. A German fry? <laughs> no, it's a kind of like, but it is... The French are upset. Yeah. <laughs> I will stake anything on the proposition that before the end of this year, Gorbachev will be in Washington. And I'll stake only a little less on the proposition that before the end of next year, President Reagan will be in Moscow. Um, but wait, you did something else in Sexy Baby that you haven't talked about, which is you were also running some words together. So that's the, that is quality. So yeah, that's a little, I will say that kind of creeps into performance a little bit to help me get in there, you know, just as an actor and as a performer. For instance, with accents, I have either a hand gesture or, you know, a, a catchphrase to get you into an accent like Irish is put that back on the bucket, put that back on the bucket. I don't know if I'll ever need to put anything in a bucket, but in an Irish accent, probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, like, that's, like, my in there. In my experience with hearing Sexy Baby in the wild. Yes, out um, in there. Sentences without spaces. Imagine typing a sentence. Yeah, there's no just, punctuation. There's no punctuation whatsoever. It's that that irritates me. Yeah, and, like, what really, like, bothers me about climate change or whatever is that, like, we're not working together. And, like, if we could just, like, work together, like, you'd make so much more of our power together. And, like, that for me is just, like, so important. Important. <laughs> if I was, like, an oil company and I wanted to really get people to be skeptical of climate change, I would just run an ad <laughs> of what you just said. <laughs> That's fine. Here's the deal. <laughs> Driving a car with, like, gas or whatever is, like, just, like, American. <laughs> well, there's a, so there's, there's that running together, and then there's also a little bit of slurring that you're adding. There's No, you're right. There's, like, a little bit of slurring. I think that I just want to say something that's really important, which is, like, it doesn't mean you're not smart. 
the accent and the dialect, why I have a bone to pick with it is because, like, I am a feminist. And, like, I don't want to think of women as little sexy babies that can't think for themselves. And so it's really hard for me. I really think of it as a trend that's gotten out of control. You know, it was kind of cute for a beat. It was in a movie or two, you know, and there was a kind of a texture of sound that was born from the California surfer girl community, valley-esque environment. But I, I do think that that compounded with the history, like before that, where did it come from? It's like, okay, there's Betty Boop. And I think that Betty Boop is a good place to start just as a reference because it's very distinct. She is sexualized. She's not homely. The idea is that she's alluring. But there's no fry in Betty Boop. Boop, boop, boop. No, there's no. not. There's not. Betty Boop is kind of the original sexy baby, though. If yes. it, just as a concept. That's where the archetype comes from. Yeah. But there's been a great deal of linguistic innovation yes. between then and how does Marilyn Monroe fit into this evolution? That's breathiness, is it? Yeah, but she also is broadcasting a bedroom voice. So, why? I just don't know. And a little baby voice, but, you know, oh, well, listen, Piggy. You know, that's very high-pitched. So you've got the grounds there for that starting place, which is we didn't really get the the breathiness in the sexy baby voice, but we got that pitch, mm-hmm. you know, and that alluring, sexy nature of bedroom talk that's like outward and being exposed to everyone. I mean, that was her whole thing. So that's why I have the word sexy in it. So some of you might know Lake Bell from her TV career uh, in the 2000s, um, but she's recently more transitioned into a voice acting career. And I really enjoyed her work as Poison Ivy on the HBO Max series, Harley Quinn. Um, You don't have to watch the whole series. Just look it up on YouTube. It is hilarious, especially if you like adult humor in cartoons. (laughs) Um, She was also Natasha Romanoff in the Disney Plus What If series. And she was most recently featured in Black Panther 2. And I just think it's just fantastic to have a voice actress that, um, you know, reads her own audiobook. And she does an amazing job, as you can tell. 